when a child is diagnosed with a serious, life-threatening illness, everyone in the family is affected. These stories from those families will move and inspire you. The children are gentle and determined. The parents are resilient and courageous. Courageous Parents Network provides a safe space that supports and empowers them, validating their experiences and promoting their stories so that others may also find hope and strength. Welcome to the Courageous Parents Network podcast series. Sarah is the mother of Emerson. After seven sleep-deprived but blissful months, Sarah and her husband Steve learned that Emerson had type 2 Gaucher's disease, which is always fatal in early childhood. Sarah shares here the vital role that Courageous Parents Network and Pediatric Palliative Care played in the months that followed the diagnosis and then Emerson's death shortly after her first birthday in June 2016. This recording is taken from a talk that Sarah gave in January of 2017 at Pediatric Grand Rounds at the University of Vermont Children's Hospital, where Emerson was loved and cared for and where she died. So Emerson was born on February 10th, 2015 in Seattle. And for the first six months of her life, she was completely nothing but the picture of health. Um, She was in the 95th percentile for height and weight. She was ahead of the curve on all developmental milestones. Um, Steve and I used to joke that we had to be careful around other parents because nobody likes to show off. And she was so advanced and so far beyond their children. When she was seven months old, we moved to Vermont. And around that time, we started noticing that she wasn't quite keeping up with her developmental milestones and that her growth had slowed considerably. And then one day, one of her eyes started turning in and she didn't want to put weight on her feet. And these were all very strange things for her. Um, Emerson was finally diagnosed at eight months old with type 2 Gaucher's disease, which is a very rare genetic disorder. Um, It's progressive and it's always fatal within the first few years of life, usually by age two. And really right from the start, my husband Steve, Emerson's father and I, were thankfully on the same page that for us, quality was much more important than quantity. I know that we didn't know at that time what that meant or how that was going to really play out, but we knew that that's really, as our foundation, what we what we believed. So we decided to move forward with enzyme replacement therapy. And while the enzymes wouldn't be able to cross the blood-brain barrier, so they would not change her prognosis or affect any of her neurologic symptoms, um, they would be able to um, shrink her spleen and liver back to a normal size, which would make her um, more comfortable and we felt improve her quality of life. As you can imagine, at this point, our world was completely and utterly shattered in a way that there aren't really words for. Um, And all we could think of was that she was going to die, and how could we ensure that this was as painless as possible? Um, This was our first visit with specialized palliative care providers. So when they started asking us about our hopes for Emerson's life, I was initially pretty confused by that because it didn't seem like a situation that there was any hope. Um, So we could only really articulate our hopes for how she might have a good death and that's all we could really at that point think of. We also talked a lot about just how utterly and completely alone and isolated we felt. You know as parents you want to connect with other parents whose children are going through similar things as yours or similar stages and when you have a terminally ill baby with a rare genetic condition it's not easy to find people to connect to. So they um, recommended that we check out Courageous Parents Network And I have to say, I was initially a little unsure. Um, Everything was very raw. I felt very vulnerable. 
And I told them I just was not interested in joining an online support group. And so they explained to me that this, that's not what this was and that it was different. You didn't have to join, you didn't have to participate if you didn't want to. Um, that you could just watch the parent and caregiver videos, you could read the blog and you could um, access information. We went home and we checked out the site and I would say that the biggest thing for us right away was that it made us feel so much less alone. Um, in watching the videos, um, I felt for the first time that there are other people out there who had gone through things that we were going through and that could understand what we were feeling. And it really was really, really helpful to hear other parents articulate things that we just didn't have the words for yet. An example of this was anticipatory grief. Um, I'd never heard the term before, but as I listened to the parents talking, I kept thinking, you know, that that's exactly what I'm feeling. Um, you know, you're looking at your happy, babbling, playful eight-month-old, but you're grieving her death and all of the losses that will come before and after that. And you're grieving things that haven't happened yet. And it can be really scary and really disorienting. Um, so learning about anticipatory grief, it just gave me some context for those feelings and allowed me to process them in a way that, that felt sane, because um, a lot of things didn't at the time. Um, and a friend of mine um, who was from here and had lost a child, I was telling her about this and she said, you know, you really need to meet Dr. McCauley, because she had worked with him. And so the next time I went to Dr. Monahan's office, I told her we wanted to be connected with Dr. McCauley, and this was still very early on. And so she kind of looked at me and asked me if I understood what he did, and I said yes, and I really didn't. I, I didn't know it all, but I just knew that we needed to be connected with him. So Dr. McCauley and Dr. Monahan came out to our house. It was during this meeting that I think things really began to shift for me. Um, we talked about quality of life and what we felt that meant for Emerson. We talked about interventions that we might need to make choices about, such as, you know, feeding tubes, trachs, treating pneumonia, seizure medications, and the delicate balance between helping Emerson live as long as possible, knowing that no matter what we did, it was going to be short, while also maintaining quality of life in the way that we defined it. It's, it's very different for different people. Um, and then Dr. McCauley asked us about our hopes for Emerson's life. And my initial thought was like, oh, this is a thing with like palliative <laughs> care people. But, um, but the thing is that it did bring, it did make me think back to that meeting in Boston and how we had been asked that same question, but how this time it just felt so incredibly different. Um, having spent time watching the videos and reading the blog posts on Courageous Parents Network, I started to see how other parents had found hope in the face of their children's serious illness and even in their death. And we started to believe a little bit that maybe we, we could do that too. And at this point, um, we truly started embracing her life and her just, just as it was, just as she was. And I wish I could say, and that was that, and we embraced life and everything was great. Um, and to some extent, you know, that is true. Emerson lived such a full, happy, joy-filled life, and Steve and I were able to be full participants in it. But it was still really, really, really hard. Um, as her disease progressed, she had more complications um, that led to a handful of extended hospital stays. And while on the one hand, no one wants to have their child in the hospital, on the other hand, it was during those stays that, in addition to Dr. McCauley, we also got to know the other members of the palliative care team. And our whole family was so well taken care of by them as well as by everyone else at the hospital. The being there became a bit of a reprieve for us. During the times that something was going on with Emerson, like a respiratory illness or high fevers or seizure-like activity, 
Being in the hospital gave us um, a little bit of room to breathe, knowing that, for lack of better words, that we didn't have to be in charge. Um, that if something happened, a team of people that really knew us, that knew Emerson, and that we completely trusted were there to help us. We often, Steve and I will often joke that we slept better in those hospital chairs than we ever did at home, which is a little sad but true. And people just, we could, people brought us food. People, you know, there was like, it was actually, it was kind of, it sounds crazy, but it was, it was definitely a little bit of respite for us um, in a time where it was really difficult. And we had decided that if and when it came to it, we did not want Emerson to have a tracheostomy, just based on her personal situation and prognosis. And while we felt like this was the right decision, it was still really, really, really hard as a parent. Um, I think when there's any sort of intervention, even if you know it's not gonna change the prognosis, to say that you're not gonna do it, it's just a hard thing and I, I did struggle with it. And I'm so grateful that not only did we have a trusted medical team here that we could talk through this and with Meredith that we could talk through this but also that through Courageous Parents Network I could hear parent perspectives on this and I appreciated that multiple perspectives were represented. Um, I think it helped to clarify for me in a very human way um, that as parents of children with life-limiting illness that we're all just doing the very best that we can in our particular situation in the face of something that's unimaginably difficult um, and that there isn't really one right way to do it and that you just have to do what's best for you and your family and your child. So while we miss her a lot, um, I almost made it, um, um, we, we really don't have any regrets about the way that she lived or the way that she died. Um, and I think that brings us a tremendous amount of peace. And so we're just grateful for palliative care for courageous parents and for the way that allowed, it allowed us to help our daughter to live the best life that she could and to help us really not just survive this situation and survive the experience, but really to thrive in it. Please visit CourageousParentsNetwork.org for more stories of courage, wisdom, and compassion.